Well, good morning. And if uh, this week you was expecting Pastor Aaron Cordero, who was here last week, to be back, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Pastor Aaron Pacheco. And you know what? Over the last month or so, because we had the Aaron and Aaron show going on, um, we were having good fun with that. I, I was getting all his notes, and he was getting all mine. And it happens all the time because we have the same name. In fact, our district office all the time, from our district supervisor, who is actually my dad, I always get um, messages on my phone saying, Hey, Aaron, and he's talking about Aaron, Pastor Aaron, Dot Aaron, Cordero. So we had a lot of good fun with that. You know, this morning... As, as we're in this series called The Strong and Courageous Family, I thought about this. What do you think of when you hear that phrase, the strong and courageous family? When, when Ben, our video director, posted me up with, with the idea of using the clip from The Incredibles, I thought, that's genius. Because even though it's an animated movie that's meant for kids... That's what I imagine when I think of a strong and courageous family. One that uses their powers, their talents, their gifts to accomplish amazing things. Unafraid to face any challenge before them. And yet, in the end, with all of the, in, their incredible superhero powers, their greatest power always was doing family as a team. And that's the same dream I've always had for my family. Way before CJ and AJ came along, way before I got lost in Carlin's eyes and began to envision the future that we would have together, long before I even met her, I desired to, to have a family that would impact the world. One that would work together to become an unstoppable force where dreams are realized and future always held hope. And this I know. I know that you feel the same way. That that's your greatest desire for your family. And I know that because I never heard anybody say that I so wish my family would end up as a bunch of losers. Or my greatest desire is that my family would be mediocre. Nobody says that. In fact... When we do family-related counseling, it's because of the opposite. Because they know that their family isn't hitting on all cylinders and not reaching the potential that God meant for them. We all want strong and courageous, world-impacting families. You know why? Because that's the way God designed us to be. That's what He created us to be. That's what He desires when he thought up the concept of family, that's what he meant. So that we would have a built-in support unit that would teach us about love and about relationships. And especially about how to work together. See, I believe this with all my heart. That if we get our families right, we'll eliminate most of the problems in this world. Because if we're loving and living and working as a team the way that God meant it to be, it'll impact our community, which will impact our state, which will impact our nation, impacting the world 
like we could never ha- uh, imagine. And that can happen. That can happen. But it's got to begin with what's going on right in our own four walls. Now, I've heard people, uh, some people say that this series doesn't apply to them because they don't have family. Or at least they don't have family living here in Hilo. And I want to challenge you this morning if you're thinking that way. I want to challenge you to change your thinking. Because I want you to look around you. And this morning, God has placed you in a family some 1,800 strong. Here in Hawaii, we know that Ohana extends beyond the borders of the birthright. And that family, and, and that's what we are here at New Hope. We are a family. So although I'll be referring to family in the traditional sense today, every concept applies to everyone. And today, like Pastor Sheldon said, we're talking about doing family as a team. And no matter what talent or what superpower you may have as an individual, the greatest power you will always have will be teamwork. Again, When a family chooses to work together, it becomes an unstoppable force with world-changing potential. So we're going to learn four ways this morning on how we can be a family who works together to make everyone successful. And as you were walking in this morning, you should have been given a bulletin. And inside of that bulletin is notes. And if you would take that out, the notes have the scriptures and also some points on there to help us to follow along uh, easier. Now, if you like me, and when you take notes within the first five minutes of the message, you're sitting down and trying to figure out what the pastor going to say. And trying to have them all filled in before he say them. I know because I challenged my wife Carlin at that to see who can get more right. Well, I'll let you know this morning. If you can figure it out, you're genius. That doesn't mean try, okay? Pay attention. But I purposely made it in such a way that um, it would be challenging to do that. We're going to learn again four ways on how we can be a family who works together. To make everyone successful. And I remember being a young leader in the church. And one of my friends, uh, an elder in my life, he told me this. He said, Aaron, if you want to be successful in ministry, or in all of life for that matter, then get to know your wife. Be her best friend and know her well. And make sure that you do the same when you have kids. Because that's who God placed in your corner. You know, I've always remembered that piece of advice. And I've come to see time and time again how true it is. It's true for every successful business, every successful sports team, every successful family. That they know each other well. They know who they have in their corner. And you can write this into the first slot in your notes. The successful family, number one, takes inventory. The successful family takes inventory. They know each other well. You know why? Because they choose to invest the time into getting to know each other. 
because they understand that family is the gift of a team that God gave them. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, if, if I took inventory of my family, I may not like what I find. In fact, maybe it would be better if I took inventory of Joe's family. Because that's how I want my family, my wife, my husband, my kids to be like. Let me tell you something. You know why Joe's family is like that? Because Joe invested in them. The last time I spoke, I asked you to finish a statement for me. And I want to see how many of you were actually paying attention that day. So, I'm going to do it again. Finish this phrase. The grass is greener. Very good. He actually was listening last time. The grass is greener where you water it. That is a man. And his name was David. In my opinion, he was the second most decorated person in all the Bible. And David was ordained to be king. God told him that he would one day be king of Israel. And so David went and he served under the present king, whose name was Saul. But Saul also knew that David was ordained to be king. And you know what Saul tried to do? Saul tried to get rid of David. So David ran away. And he ended up out in the wilderness. And David's first kingdom was not one of palaces. It wasn't one of great armies in shining armor. David's first army looked like this. They were the runaways from society. They were the outcasts. They were the grumblers. Now, David didn't look at them and say, Oh, Lord, this is the kingdom that you give me? Then I don't like them. He didn't say that. You know what David did? David invested his time into these people. And you know what they became known? From, from, from the outcasts of society, they became known as Israel's mighty men. That's what investing in your family can do. When you take inventory and you know what you have, not focus on what you don't have. Luke 16.10 says it like this. It says, Whoever can be trusted in much, uh, with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. You know, way too often we can get caught up in looking at what we don't have. Looking at Joe's family and saying, I should have that. That's why the grass looks greener on the other side because we're not investing the time in getting to know each other. And if we don't know each other, there's no way that we can begin to work toward anything great. And that's how important taking inventory is so that we can begin to recognize what we have rather than what we don't. That's what successful families do. And they get an accurate in, and to get an accurate inventory, again, you got to invest time. Because just when you think you get your family figured out, things change. And it's a constant measure of spending time together. Quality time together 
getting to know again and again who's in your corner. And you never know when a genuine inventory-taking moment is going to happen. You never know. That's why it's always important to have your eyes and your ears open and looking at your family and investing time in them. I'm going to bring up my wife, Carlin, because she's going to help me to tell a story. You guys might think that I, I tell good stories, but today you can see where I get it all from. <laughs> because one of this lady's superhero powers <laughs> is that she's a great storyteller. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to start it off because she wasn't there for the, the good part. Which actually happened on Super Bowl Sunday. And um, after the service, I was tired. And because my daughter, one of her passions, one of the, because I spend time with her, I know that she loves football. In fact, first word was daddy. Second word was mommy. Third word was touchdown. <laughs> she loves football. So Super, Super Bowl Sunday is set aside for her. And it's about 2.30 in the afternoon. And I am just, wow. Wiped out, so I figure I got about half an hour, 45 minutes. I'm gonna take a nap. So I lay down on the couch, pregame is going on, and I can already, after five minutes, I can already hear myself snoring. Now, my son AJ, one of his superhero powers is he's a good cook. And the day before, he went out fishing with Papa, they went bottom fishing, they caught some ehu. And ehu is a great bottom fish. So AJ cooks up the ehu, and along with that, he's gonna make this. Um, peanut oil sauce that he saw on uh, the cooking channel. And he's doing that. And I'm, I'm sleeping on the couch. And then I hear AJ start running all over the kitchen and going, oh no, oh no, oh no. Now I'm not too uh, flustered because AJ gets excited about every little thing. And, and on top of that, I can hear his sister, CJ, his older sister, say, AJ, calm down. No worry. I'm going to get daddy and everything's going to be okay. And so I hear her come around the corner and she gently shakes me. And she says, Daddy, Daddy, wake up. Um, we need you. There's a really big fire in the kitchen. <laughs> and oh man, I jump up from, my, from snoring to 60 and I make it around the corner. And sure enough, on the stove, that uh, pot of peanut oil, because AJ forgot, uh, didn't know... He shouldn't leave the cover on, had overflowed and, and caught fire. And we got this fire two, three, 15 feet high on top of my stove. And now I get to use my superpowers and be Superman and grab the uh, pot, take them out in my driveway. And I know that you don't shoot hot stuff with water because then you're going to get one explosion. So there in my driveway, I'm waiting patiently. While this fire goes down. And all of my neighbors are barbecuing that day. Out in the driveway. And of all the planned fires that there were. It was the unplanned fire that was the biggest. So it burned out. And then I went back in the house. And AJ had kind of cleaned things up. And you know inside I was like. Oh man you ruined my nap. I'm going to give it to you. And then I hear him. He, he just real quietly goes in his room. And he's just crying. And my heart just breaks for him. Now, of course, he, the only way he would allow me to tell this story is that he said, Daddy, you got to say that I, I cried like a man. <laughs> so he cried like a man. 
and he's just, just crying, and my heart breaks, and I decide that's enough. He's punished himself enough. We're not going to give it to him anymore. In fact, we ain't even going to tell mommy about this. So I sit down with them and I tell them that, okay, we're all good. We, we get things cleaned up. AJ, don't worry about him. By the way, the Ehu was mean. But we're not even going to tell mommy about it. So mommy was actually at work at this time. That's why she didn't see all this action. But at 5 o'clock, I go to pick her up. And I actually tell her, babe, brace yourself. Okay, so the first thing he did wrong was to say that mommy don't need to know. <laughs> but I get in the car, everything is good, and then he tells me, I'm going to tell you something, don't panic. When somebody tells you don't panic, what do you do? I panic. <laughs> and he's telling me to start, my mind is racing, I don't see the kids in the car, where's my kids? I know already it's AJ. AJ is accident prone. <laughs> So my mind is going, 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 and he's telling me the story, and all of a sudden, the key words come out of his mouth. We decided to hide it from you. Oh, hide it from me. Okay. Well, I decide to hide the carrot cake from you next time I make one. But we come to an agreement. We're not going to mention it to the children. Mommy don't know anything. We go home. We do business as usual. The next morning I wake up, I start making breakfast. AJ usually wakes up with me early in the morning. In the corner of my eye, I see a blackened cover, um, the cover from the pot at the end of the counter. AJ sees me looking at it. He comes out, and this is what he does. (laughs) And he's looking at me, and I tell him, yes, son, I'm just going to the icebox. <laughs> he touches the ice box and then he does this. And I said, Did you want to help me cook? And he goes, No. Uh, I'm just going to sit here and watch. So I said, Okay. And he's acting like he's reading the newspaper and I see him peeping at me like this. So I said, Maybe you should help me cook because daddy said that your fish was better than my fish. And he goes, no, I don't think so. I said, well, what did you do to make your fish better than my fish? And he said, Mom, let's just put it this way. It was hot. <laughs> I said, oh, it was hot. I'm liking this because I can see him squirm now. It was hot. So you added chili pepper to the sauce. No, Mom, it just was hot. <laughs> oh, did you make wasabi oil? No, mom, it just was hot. Don't ask me any more questions. <laughs> oh, hot. It was hot. I can't take it anymore, mommy. I'm going to tell you the truth. Mom. There was a fire. I know, AJ. It was burning. I know, AJ. The oil splattered all over. I know, AJ. You know? I know. Did daddy tell you? No. When I came home, the kitchen rug was vacuumed. (laughs) The stove was scrubbed clean. Then this morning, I see a blackened pot cover on the side. AJ, I want to tell you something. Mommy knows everything. (laughs) You cannot hide 
take anything from mommy. And Aaron, I would like to tell you, you cannot hide anything from me. I told you she was good. That was a good fun day, I tell you. Here's the inventory that I, I took away from that incident. On the upside, AJ is a great cook. On the downside, he cannot cook without me around. And on the even higher upside, AJ is very truthful. On the upside, CJ is very calm and collected in high-pressure situations. On the downside, CJ is too calm and collected <laughs> in high-pressure situations. And then, of course, on the upside, I will have many opportunities to be a hero in this family. And let's never forget that mommy knows everything. You know, I believe that God allowed this thing to happen so that we as a family could learn about each other's strengths and weaknesses. And as I reflect on it, I now see how we work together to succeed in something that He placed before us. It also put something else on display because it showed how different we are. Even though CJ and AJ are half of my DNA, and sometimes I wonder if they most require Carlins. But even though they're half of my DNA, our reactions, our passions, and especially our skills are very different. And at 16 and 15, my kids are their own persons. So are yours. And we can spend a lot of time getting frustrated over the differences that we have. Even fighting over them or about them. And never accomplish anything. But the more I get to know my family, the more I understand that those differences aren't, by, aren't there by circumstance or by mishap. They exist by godly design. You see, God does that. He makes us different and then He places us all together. Every successful team, every successful family learns to work together while accentuating the differences. They don't fight them. You know what they do? They embrace them. And you can write that into number two. Embrace, uh, the successful family embraces the differences. A successful family embraces the differences. 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 18 it reads, But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. I, I really love that part where it says, And God has put each part just where He wants it. Because that's what He did in my family. And that's what He's done in yours. You see, God did that. 
You know, in the game of football, and again, you, you can uh, quiz my daughter CG on this one. Everyone dreams of being the quarterback. Everybody wants to be the quarterback. You know why? Quarterback gets all the credit. They score a touchdown. It's the quarterback's uh, glory. Quarterback is the one that all the TV reporters want to uh, interview. The quarterback makes the big box. But you know that quarterback, if he doesn't have an offensive line, no matter how much skill he has, no matter how fast he is, no matter how smart he is, he's nothing. Sometimes even the parts that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. That's why it's so important to embrace the differences in our families. So many marriages end in divorce within the first three years. And so many of those because they actually start out the wrong way. They start out with people looking in the mirror and saying, that's what I want in a spouse. They look for the same looks, the same qualities, the same interests, skills, and passions, only to find out very soon that that's not what God had planned. Because this is how God did it. See, the way God did it was He took a rib from the man, a part of him, and with it, He crafted woman for him. Now, you think about that. If, if she is the part that is taken from him, then she will be everything that he's not. Her strengths will be his weaknesses and vice versa. So that when they are brought back together, they form something complete. Something not two times better. Something exponentially better. You know, just about 20 years ago now, when I met Carlin, I wasn't even close to who I am today. I mean, I was handsome. <laughs> and, yeah, for her it was love at first sight. <laughs> but I would never be able to do what I do today, back then. As you see... I'm an introvert. Somebody who is, has no problem being away from people. I can be away from people for a week and I'll be fine. I tell you what, makes for good studying. Makes for good concentration time where I can just get together with God. I don't always have to be around people. But the downside of that is that 20 years ago, I couldn't look another person in the eye who I just met. In fact, if I did not know you for a year, I wouldn't be able to talk sorry with you. That's just the way I'm designed. That's the way God made me. And there's nothing wrong with that. But God always had an intention that I would be doing this. So you know what He did? He set me up with the biggest uh, extrovert in the world. <laughs> the girl who, 24 hours, she away from people and she started dying. But I've learned through embracing our differences. First seven years of our marriage weren't like that. We was always at each other's throats, fighting the differences, but madly attracted to each other that we didn't step apart. Knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that God meant us to be together. But always at each other's throats. First seven years of our marriage was hell. 
until we began to embrace our differences. And I allowed her to teach me, and through her influence in my life, to teach me how to communicate with people and how to have meaningful conversations with 1,800 people on a Sunday morning. On my side, you see what I get to do for her is that she can go crazy if she don't have somebody holding the reins. And I get to be that guy, the guy to tell her what to do. (laughs) But that's how a team works. Not that we tell each other what to do, but that is how a team works. That everyone brings their differences to the table. Everyone embraces the value of the others. And everybody plays their best. And you know what they do? They all choose to do it in agreement. And that's number three. Successful, the successful family agrees to agree. They agree to agree. Matthew 18, 19 is one of my life verses because it's a promise from God. And it's a promise with power. I call it the power of agreement. And it's powerful for business. It's powerful in sports. It's powerful in ministry. But I believe that there's nowhere that it is more powerful as when it comes to family. And this is what it says. It says, I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Let me read that again. If two of you And circle this word, agree, here on earth, concerning anything. Would you underline that word, anything? Anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. You know who said this? Wasn't an apostle. It wasn't a a biblical scholar. It wasn't a pastor or priest. Jesus said that. Straight from the heart of God. And notice that he didn't say, if you agree on the most religious thing, or the most popular thing, or the most optimal thing. He said, if you agree on anything, you agree on anything, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Now, I've used this point before, and usually when I use this point, I tell one story. It's called my carrot cake story. But Carlin has forbidden me to tell that story this morning because I've told it about 20 times. And I, I agree. I fully agree with her. I, I've worn that one out. But I tell you what, I love telling that story so much. If you never hear them yet, <laughs> come see me later on, okay? <laughs> and, and just ask me about my carrot cake story. Instead today, I'm going to talk about another story I enjoy. And it's about one of my Old West, um, not heroes, but legends, Billy the Kid. And I know most of you here don't even know who Billy the Kid is, so let me fill you in. Billy the Kid was an outlaw. And there are thousands upon thousands of different variations of the story of what happened to him. But I know this part, I don't know how many of those are true, but I know this is true. 
He was a great outlaw. Unstoppable outlaw. See, he had, he had a band of about seven or eight guys, his gang. And they would go and they would, they started off cattle rustling. And they moved to robbing trains. And then they robbed banks. And then you know what? In the end, they were just shooting up towns for no reason at all, just because they could. And they said lawman after lawman and good guys after this guy to go chase them down. And they couldn't get them. In fact, um, I always said it was Wyatt Earp, but it's not Wyatt Earp. If anybody knows, come tell me later on, okay, who the sheriff was that actually caught him. Did I hear his name? Okay, let me know after, okay? But finally, a sheriff catch up, catches up with him and shoots him dead. And this sheriff is glorified as the greatest lawman of all time because he did what everybody else couldn't do. He caught Billy the Kid. But the truth was that he wasn't the one that uh, really took down Billy the Kid. You see, Billy the Kid, although he did everything wrong, he was successful. Why? Because he and his gang, his family, did everything in agreement. That's why. But you see, it wasn't the sheriff that took him down. It was the wisdom of the governor of the territory. Because what the governor did was, he took $500. And $500 back in those days was worth $2 million today. But he took $500 and he said, this goes to whoever kills Billy the Kid. You know what happened? He got gre- uh, his guys got greedy. And they started to disagree. And they started to actually look for ways to take him down. See, it wasn't a sheriff that took down Billy the Kid. It was the power of disagreement. And actually, one of the stories says that when this sheriff actually shot him dead, Billy the Kid was actually shot by one of his guys. That's what the power of agreement can do and cannot do. Now, I also got to say this. In your family... When you choose to do things together, when you choose to come into agreement, I would always suggest this, that you would choose to agree on what is right. Because if you choose to agree on what is wrong, it will be done for you. But what will happen is greed and lust and all those bad things will step in and will tear you apart through disagreement. If you agree on anything, it will be done for you. So, Choose to agree to agree. I've heard it said many times with families. And you probably heard this one too. We are successful because we agree to disagree. You guys heard that one? How about this one? We are successful because we choose to Compromise. You know what you do with these two? Get them out of your life. Never agree to disagree. Because if you agree to disagree, in the end, all you will do is disagree. And watch families that choose to agree to disagree. In the end, all they ever have is disagreements. And never choose to compromise. In fact, it never says in the Bible that uh, compromise is a good thing. Never choose to compromise. You know what compromise is? 
Compromise at its very best is 50-50 moving in two different directions. It's you get to do this, so I get to do that. I'll give you this if you give me this. Compromise is never agreement. Agreement is 100%, 100% moving in the same direction. So this is what you do with these two, okay? Rip them out, crumple them up, and throw them away. Agree to agree. Because you know what agreement says? It says that no matter what, or no matter how, I start off feeling. When we choose to move, I'm all in. No matter what, I choose to die to me to live for we. That's what agreement says. It's 100%, 100% moving in the same direction. Because we either succeed together or we fail together. But we do it together. And either way, God blesses it. That's His promise. Now, I cannot tell you how to come to this. I cannot tell you how to get your family into agreement because you know your family best. And you got to figure that out. I can't tell you how it's done in my house. This is how it's done in my house. Because the Bible says, um, children, obey your parents. Wives, submit to your husbands. Now it also says, husbands, love your wives, willing to lay your life down for her. That's how it works in my house. I get the final word. I do. But when I make a decision that concerns my family, I better be willing to die for it. That's why they allow me to do that. That's how it works in my family. And that's how we choose, and you can write this into number, number four, a successful family moves as one. A successful family moves as one. Now the greatest philosophy I think that I've ever heard when it comes from fa- to family didn't come from a biblical scholar. It didn't come from a great writer. It actually came from a little girl. Her name was Lilo. From the movie Lilo and Stitch, when she said, Ohana means no one gets left behind. And that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. In everything that we do, you see, God did not place us together. He didn't orchestrate it in such a way. And He knows what He's doing so that we would leave each other behind. He did it so that we would move as one. And sometimes, I'm up to bat. And you know what you do? You get to applaud and encourage. Sometimes you're up to bat. And I get to applaud and encourage. doesn't matter who gets the credit. It's that we choose to do it together and move as one. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. 
And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And that's what we get to do, folks, in moving as one. Making sure that nobody gets left behind. What we do is we, we drag each other along. And we spur each other on. How? Through encouragement. Never putting anyone down. But saying we do this as one. And there's only one way that this happens. There's only one way that we can move as one. And this stems from last week's message that, that uh, the other pastor Aaron gave. See, the way that we move as one is if we do it out of love. That's the only way that we can be successful in it. Colossians three fourteen says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. I've always told people this. Whatever you do, whatever it is, whatever the situation is, no matter what the circumstance, if it all comes back to love, you cannot fail. Let me show you what that looks like on paper. Let's say that this is your family. And this is me. And it's my family. And our foundation is God, who is love. Right here where we meet, in everything that we are, in everything that we do, no matter what the circumstance looks like, whether it's good or bad, if we always bring it back to love, we cannot fail. Amen? You can put your notes away. And this morning, speaking of doing family as a team, we're going to do something as a team. We have the opportunity to do something as a team right now. Something that we choose to do every month as the family called New Hope. We're actually going to be taking communion together right now. And the ushers are going to pass out the elements. Really what we're doing is we're saying as one that we get to remember what God has done for us. And it's because of the sacrifice He made 2,000 years ago where His body was broken and His blood shed out for our sins that we actually get to be our family. So our worship team is going to be singing a song right now. And the ushers, you can go ahead and pass out the elements. And when they're done with that, I'm going to come back up. And we're going to do this as one. Allow our hearts to always be in that place. To recognize what you've given us. Rather than being distracted by what we don't have. And Lord, as we choose to work together for your glory... Allow us to embrace the differences because that's what makes us great. And bind us together as one, Lord, as we come together in agreement. Teach us how, Lord, to be families and a family that agrees because we know you're pleased with that and you bless that, Father. 
And above all, Lord, keep us moving as one where no one gets left behind. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Again, Lord, let your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.